Hi, and welcome to the NCC More podcast. My name is Destiny Dees, and today we're going to be talking about devotion. We're currently in a series on Sunday mornings called Follow Me, the call that changes us all. It's discipleship, our process to progress. And the very first week we talked um, about having a new direction. And that's so exciting, isn't it? When we think about being able to have a new direction, that we are new in Christ, that we're new creatures, that we can go a different place than we've ever gone before. Um, but then we also have to submit to Christ's dominion over our life. That's another part of the process to progress of discipleship. If we don't submit to Christ's lordship, then we're never going to be able to live the life that he's calling us to live. And finally, we are going to talk today a little bit about what it means to really be devoted, what it means to be devoted to Jesus as a follower of Jesus. Um, You know, whenever I think about devotion, I can't help but think about love stories and love songs, because that's usually when we talk about that word, right? Whenever, oh, they're just such a devoted spouse. Oh, they're just such a... But devotion goes so much beyond the emotion. My grandparents were married for over 60 years. That, That still just completely blows my mind. But the last five years of their marriage, my grandfather couldn't speak. He couldn't walk. He really couldn't do much of anything on his own. My, my grandmother had to care for him day in and day out from the most menial task um, to feeding him to making sure that he had his medication. She was always there. She was devoted. Now, she didn't wake up every morning saying, man, this is, this is, I just feel it in my heart that I want to take care of my husband as though he is a newborn baby. It was not based on emotion. It was based on action. And in our following Jesus, yes, there, there are amazing moments of emotion. There are amazing moments where we feel God's presence or where we feel his love or, or where we just are overwhelmed with gratitude and that motivates our action. But at the end of the day, if our devotion is based on emotion, then it's going to be very very shallow, and it's not going to last very long. Um, One of the things that's interesting to me as a pastor is I get to sit down and visit with a lot of people who are in crisis in their marriage. Now, most people don't get married because they are passionless. They don't walk down the aisle and spend an obsessive amount of money on credit cards because they don't care about the person that they're going to meet at the altar. Most of them really are driven by emotion. Um, But when you get into the room where a marriage is in crisis, there are very different kinds of emotions in that room. Um, where there once was love, a lot of times there is anger and sometimes there's hatred, sometimes there's apathy. And you sit there and you really wonder, how did these emotions swing so drastically? How did they go from being so connected to each other that they wanted to pledge forever and ever and ever to really um, not caring about the other person's feelings at all? And it didn't happen overnight. And it didn't happen in one day. And it didn't happen in one weekend. 
It happened because they stopped doing the things that they needed to do to stay connected and to stay healthy. And, you know, our relationship with God in some ways is very much the same, Um, except that we're not connected to another flawed human being who has all kinds of issues. Instead, we are connected to a perfect God who knows us completely, who adores us, who loves us, who's already paid the ultimate price. And when we choose to do the little things that keep us connected to Him, then we protect our devotion to Him. And really, ultimately, we protect the emotions that um, we're going to need for the long haul because uh, a life of devotion isn't devoid of emotion. It's just not built on emotion. It's built on commitment. It's built on daily decisions. It's built on a path that we choose to follow. Um, Philip on Sunday did such a great job giving us some questions that we can ask to check out our devotion to God, to check out our devotion to Jesus, to check our connection to the vine. Um, When Philip and I were first married, we had a very, very wise marriage counselor, and he encouraged us to um, have a family meeting every single week and to talk through some different questions. And so for years, he and I would sit down every Sunday night, we would go over our schedule, we'd go over our finances, we'd go over some of the logistics for the week, but then we would ask questions like, hey, when did you feel the most loved this week? Hey, is there anything going on um, that's really irritating you that you haven't had a chance to bring up? Is there anything that you'd like to bring to the table? Is there something that I'm doing that's making you feel less than or making you feel not valued? We had created and curated questions that got to the heart of our relationship that facilitated communication and that encouraged us to make better decisions. And with our relationship with Christ, we need to ask those same questions of ourselves. We need to hold up the word of God to our lives and say, hey, are you making the choice to live out what Jesus asked us to live out? Are you making the choice to stay connected? Um, and, And so Philip gave us five questions that I really just think are amazing to help us to examine our devotion. And the first one is this, is how large am I loving? How large am I loving? And and this really should always be the first question because Jesus called us to love each other the way that he has loved us. That's the core of the gospel. If you are a mean, bitter, angry person who cannot stand people, don't tell me that you are following Christ closely because that's not his command. His command is that we would love others and that we would love those that are most different from us and are most difficult to us. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect because we really can't be. We all are growing in love, but we don't allow ourselves off the hook by saying that our personality, our upbringing, or that person doesn't deserve to be loved. Jesus set the bar so incredibly high when he said that he loved the world. Let's think about what that world included. It included the people who rejected him. It included the people who mocked him. It included the people who would persecute his own 
family. It included the people who would ultimately put him to death. That was the world that Jesus said God so loved. And so if God loved that big, then we have to love that big too. And sometimes one of the leading indicators of us disconnecting from Christ is that we've allowed ourselves to get offended and angry with other people and to stop loving them. So we have to ask ourselves, how large am I loving? And then how fast am I forgiving? Because when we love big, forgiveness is going to be the natural result of that love. That's what happened with Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And what did Jesus do whenever he died? He forgave. He forgave those who had sinned against him in the worst way possible. And we are called to do the same thing. We are called to forgive. There's no if, ands, or buts. There's no exceptions. There's no but in the case of no. Every one of us is called to forgive, no matter what we have gone through. And what we find when we forgive is that we find true freedom. When we hold on to what people have done to us and make it more important than what God has done for us, then we limit the power of God that works in our lives. It's so important that if we want to stay connected to God, that we choose to forgive. And so many times people want to get things right between them and another person, or they want to see justice done before they forgive. You can still pursue justice while at the same time living in an attitude of forgiveness. Well, what does that process look like? That, that process looks like first releasing that person to God and saying, God, I choose to, in obedience to you, to maintain my connection with you, I choose to forgive this person. You may have to say that daily. You may have to say that hourly for a while. And then we begin to say, God, I pray for this person. I pray that you would touch them. Sometimes that's the first step. We don't really specify how we want God to touch them, you know, whether we want him to judge them or bless them or whatever, but we just say, hey, I want you to touch them. But eventually we have to get to where we pray God's best for them where we pray that God would give them and show them the same grace that he has given and he has shown us. The third question that Philip brought up was, how sacrificial am I serving? How sacrificial am I serving? Um, Serving is really never convenient. And um, the other thing that's kind of funny about serving is that uh, serving is, is a requirement in every situation. We are called to be the servant of all, the servant of all. Now, if you really think about that and you think about, you know, an old fashioned movie, you know, Downton Abbey or something like that, where there were servants, um, those servants were called on all the time at random times to do random things. It was very inconvenient. It was not simply something that they did It was their way of life. It was their way of being. It was the way that they defined themselves. And that's really what God's calling us to do is to define ourselves by the way that we serve. What if we defined ourselves by the way that we served our spouses? Hmm. How about the way we serve our boss? 
How about the way we serve our children? How about the way we serve our community and our church? You know, so many times um, people feel disconnected in church, and it's because they just really haven't started serving. I know very few lonely people who serve on a church team because serving brings you together. Serving helps you to meet friends. Serving creates community because you have a community that surrounds your activity. I really want to encourage you today, if you're feeling disconnected from Christ on this earth, from his church, um, I, I want to encourage you to get involved and to serve. You may say, ah, Destiny, it's not that important. I mean, all they want me to do is stand and to smile at somebody at the door. That means a whole lot to that person who's walking through the door. Oh, they just want me to babysit. No, that's not babysitting. That's leadership development that's going on back there in kids' church. That's kids' lives and legacies being changed. Oh, well, but Destiny, you don't know. You know, I, I do so much for so many people, and nobody does anything for me. Yeah, but you're called to serve. So define your life. Check your connection to God not by how much you're being served, but by how much you are serving, by how much you are serving. And then the fourth question, it's kind of a tricky one. Let's be real. How generous am I giving? Now, at this point, some people just shut off the podcast. They, they shut down in the sermon. They, they move on. They, they, they say, ah, I knew it. It's all about money. No, but apparently for you it is, because if that's the one thing that your pastor can't talk about in your life, that's a problem. I've rarely found a person who is willing to let me speak into their marriage that isn't also willing to allow me to speak into their finances. I've very rarely met a person who stays healthy in church without giving. Why? Because generosity is a core principle of who God is. God so loved that he talked about it, post on social media about it, put out like an invite. He cried a lot. No, none of those things. He took an action, and that action was to give the very best that he had. Are you giving your best today? Yes, finances are a good measure of that. Because most of us can't just give two or three days a week to be able to serve or to be able to do for different things. We, we have to make a living, and part of that living is what we make. It's our salary. But how are you giving today? Are you giving begrudgingly? Are you giving with strings attached? Are you giving with that attitude that says, I'm a giver, so I, I'm buying influence with this organization, I'm buying influence with this charity, I'm buying influence with this person, or even with this church. Don't you know who I am? I'm a really big giver. That's not generosity. That's manipulation. Generous giving says I'm giving because God has given so much to me. There's a man in our church who's incredibly generous. And every time we say thank you because you should say thank you if somebody gives generously. Um, every time we say thank you, he says one thing, God's been good to me. God's been so good to me. I'm so grateful for what God's given to me. See, he's not giving because he thinks 
that it's going to give him, you know, some kind of voice or he's going to be able to, to manipulate the situation. He's not giving even out of compulsion because he thinks he has to. He's not giving like it's voodoo. Like, oh, well, I've, this is my lucky foot. I have to give so that I'll be able to have what I want. No, he's giving out of gratitude. And out of gratitude comes true generosity. When we understand how much we have been given, how blessed we are, how loved we are, and then we give generously to those around us. Um, are you giving grace generously today? Are, are you giving hope generously today? Are you giving joy generously today? Are, are you the kind of person who refuses to, to laugh at a joke just because you didn't make it? Who refuses to applaud an idea just because you didn't bring it up? Don't be that person. I don't want to be that person. Let's not be those people. Instead, let's give generously. And the fifth question that he talked about is how persistent am I praying? How persistent am I praying? Now, some of you, you're those people of faith and power and you just pray up a storm and you know what I'm talking about. And others, you're just really excited if you pray at all, you know? Um, But if you want to stay connected to God, you you need to start to pray. You, You need to pray sincerely. You need to pray with honesty. You need to pray not like the hypocrite who prayed on the corner, not like the Pharisee, the religious person who prayed on the corner in Jesus' day and said, I'm so glad I've got it together, and I'm so glad we've got everything going, and I'm so glad. See, that person was praying too. They were praying probably a lot more than the sinner that Jesus applauded. They were praying a lot more eloquently than the sinner that Jesus applauded. They, they were probably praying in a way that other people understood, but it wasn't the way that Jesus wanted to be talked to. So we, we don't pray at God. We pray to God. We speak to God and ask him and implore him and pour out our hearts. You know, one of the best things you can do as you learn how to pray is to go through the book of Psalms. David was a man after God's own heart. That's an amazing title. And there are so many um, Christians throughout the ages who have gotten so much strength and so much joy out of praying through the Psalms. And as you begin to do that, you'll find out very quickly that David had some major issues. He had some major issues with people. He had some major issues probably with depression. He had some major issues with anxiety. He had some major angry issues for sure. Um, But it always came back to, God, you're more than enough. God, I love you. God, you're everything to me and the lordship of Christ. And, And that's what happens when we really truly, truly pray is that we find ourselves coming back to what is true. Just as David in the Old Testament before Christ had even come would always go back to who God was and who God is and his faithfulness. We, we find ourselves when we're honest with God coming back to that same thing too. How persistent are your prayers? Do you really believe that God hears you? How would it change things if every time you closed your eyes or looked up to heaven and opened your mouth to speak to God, you believed that he was listening. And not just listening with bored ears, but listening with an open heart.
how would that change things? Would you be more persistent? Would you be more consistent? Would you stay more connected? Devotion comes with a cost. We have to choose to stay connected to God, but it's worth it because I want to be a disciple, don't you? And I want to make disciples. Let's just take a moment. Let's just pray together and ask God to continue to give us the grace to walk out this discipleship journey every single day. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're the first and the last. You are all the things that your word says you are. You are so mighty, and you are our provider, and you are a good father, and you are a good shepherd, and you are wonderful, and you are our counselor, and you are all those things, Lord. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you gave so generously that you didn't even hold back your son, your very, very best to send here to earth, to take our place, to take our punishment, to shed blood to shed royal blood that could cover our sins. God, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that you've already done the work and that we have a chance to stay connected to you. Father, I pray that we would be disciples. We wouldn't just be believers, but we would be disciples. That we would be people who would lean in to being devoted to you. Give us grace, Father. Give us grace. As we go through the process to progress, please, Father, give us grace to be able to walk it out day in and day out. Lord, we trust you and we'll give you all the glory, all the praise for everything that happens in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the NCC More podcast. Don't forget, we have services every Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 right here on Airline Drive. We'll see you then.